0: Yo, yo, what up, what up, world? It's your boy, Smiley, a.k.a. The Star. And this here is another episode of Smiley Toe's Way. <clears throat> so it's Tuesday, uh, February the, what, 5th, 2019? Whatever the date is, it's two days after Super Bowl Sunday. <clears throat> By now, everybody knows that the uh, New England Patriots are your world champions once again. Shouts out to my man, Tom Brady, you know, Michigan alum. Go Blue! I mean, to be honest, really didn't matter to me who won as long as the Philadelphia Eagles are no longer (laughs) the world champions. But as I stated in the previous podcast, there will always be an asterisk next to the Super Bowl just based on the misplay in the NFC championship against the uh, between the Rams and the Saints. Now, um, a lot of people. Watch this Super Bowl. A lot of people who watch this Super Bowl, I've heard say, oh, it was boring. It was dull. This is the worst Super Bowl I've ever seen. I disagree. I think this is one of the best Super Bowls that we've ever seen because 39 31, like, you know, like that that's exciting because it's offensive and explosive. But 13 to 3 is a lot better because every play counted. Every single play of that game counted. Now, in, in all due respect, I fell. I fell asleep and I missed the entire first quarter. But I saw from where it really mattered. I saw the game from its most important aspects. You know, especially in the fourth quarter. And um, people talk about, well, Tom Brady didn't score a touchdown and this and that. So what? He's a he's a field general. He's like the point guard. You know, he he does what he's supposed to do. He did enough to get his team in a position to score. He led them downfield a uh, 72-yard drive that I believe resulted in a touchdown and another drive that eventually resulted in a field goal. So um cut the crap. My man has 6 rings. He's arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, definitely of his era. I mean, yeah, you got Peyton Manning, you have Drew Brees, you can even throw Philip Rivers in there because these are all great athletes. But arguably Tom Brady is the best quarterback about a time and possibly ever especially if you consider how many different coordinators he's played for offensive coordinators and people say well it's Belichick and it's Belichick in the system but people forget that Belichick is a defensive minded coach not that he doesn't know or focus on offense but he's defensive oriented so cut the crap there as well so um, I'm currently uh, watching Skip and Shannon undisputed you know I'm um, I don't get to watch it as much, especially, uh, because of my work schedule. I work overnight, but I recently did quit one of my jobs. So I got a little more time, you know, a little extra time to do things, you know, focus on this podcast or whatever. But I'm currently speaking on the, uh, the trade for the, uh, with the Lakers and, uh, the Pelicans to try to bring Anthony Davis to LA and they have Rob Parker on and Rob Parker made a very valid point. You know, it was like when, um, when Brett Favre wanted to leave Green Bay. And he's like, I want to get traded to Minnesota. what did they do? They traded him to the Jets, you know, across the country the other way, you know, in a different conference. And which was smart. Like, why would you trade, you know, like, arguably one of the, uh, you know, another great quarterback of all time. Why would you trade him within the division? And that's how I'm looking at it with the Pelicans. Because, I mean, they're in New Orleans, but they're a West Coast team. So, um, why would they, uh, Trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers I think what what makes A lot more sense would be To wait until the Summertime and uh, trade him to Boston But he's already stated That wherever he goes it'd be a one stop You know a one year stop he wants to play in L.A., he wants to play with LeBron, he wants to bring uh, prominence back to that Lakers franchise. I'm not mad. I just wish somebody wanted to play for my beloved Knicks. It's like, God damn. Like, whose leg do I have to hump to get Kevin Durant to sign with the Knicks? You know, uh, who's who, who, I mean, like, good grief. Like, can we get the number one pick? We, we got the first ever overall lottery pick in 1985 with Patrick Ewing. We haven't had a number one pick since, and that's been more than 30 years. I mean, we all know that the, the lottery draft is rigged and whatever. You know, the uh, the draft lottery is rigged. I mean, I, I feel as though it is anyway. So why don't y'all rig it so the Knicks can get the number one pick and perhaps we get Zion Williamson or something like somebody to at least, you know, make us smile you know, at, at having a chance because I'm sick and tired of pulling this damn paper bag out every year with the eyes cut out. That's what us Knicks fans have to do. It's like, you know, we, we love our boys, but, um, you know, it's, it's just sickening to watch what uh, James Dolan is doing to this franchise. Like, good grief, Jimmy D, just sell the damn team already. You know, we, um, we don't want you in New York anymore. Like, you don't care about winning. And I mean, the Knicks are a billion-dollar franchise and will be regardless. Like they can go one and eighty-one, and they'll still generate billions of dollars because it's New York, and that's the freaking mecca. It's like that's the mecca of basketball, the mecca of the United States. Um, like, just just sell the team, Jimmy D. You know, um, you traded Tim Hardaway Jr. twice. You traded Porzingis, um. Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, um, he's balling this year. Um, I definitely think he's in line for most approved player, but you can get another player like that. You can get another Courtney Lee. And um, but Porzingis, you know, barring injury, Porzingis will be one of the top 10 NBA players for years to come. He's a freak of nature. You can't coach 7-3, and then, you know, with his wingspan, he can put the ball on the floor, back to the basket, he can shoot, block. You know he—he's no Anthony Davis on the defensive end, but he's—he's he's not a liability either. So Dallas, um, I commend you, and I tip my hat to you guys because you got your dirt 2.0 for years to come, and you pair him with Luka Doncic, Harrison Barnes, and keep in mind that they have Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee's no slouch either. I mean, he's not. An explosive offensive player, but Courtney Lee can get you buckets when necessary, and then he's a hell of a defender. <coughs> so, um, this the good thing is uh the Knicks also got two first round picks out of the deal this year. Could be anywhere, you know. It, it, I think this year would definitely be, you know, um, a mid lottery pick, perhaps maybe like seven to tenth. Next year, Dallas actually get a, be a little better, I believe. So next year's pick, or whenever the the next first round pick we get, will probably be like a mid to late first rounder. But if the Knicks are smart, you know, um, they'll keep their draft picks because we we haven't kept the first round draft picking forever. And I mean, that's including guys like uh Ronaldo Balkman, um, what's my man that went to Georgetown, uh, Mike Mike Sweetney, um. We we got Channon Fry. I mean, we, we've never kept any of our first rounders. And the problem is a lot of these first rounders we've stretched to get. Consider that we got Dennis Smith Jr. in this trade, this recent trade with Dallas. But the fact of the matter is we passed up on Dennis Smith to draft Frank Nillatikina, Kalina, the French guy. I don't, I can't pronounce his name and I don't want to butcher it, but you pass on a guy that you end up trading to get down the line where you could have just drafted him in the first place and was actually the best player available. They have a habit of not drafting the best player available with the exception of possibly when they drafted Porzingis, but nobody knew it yet. As a Knicks fan, I heard that and I'm like, who? Like, Phil, what the hell are you doing? And then Summer League happened and it was just like, wow, and Phil I trust. And then nothing happened with our franchise and it's just like, once again, Phil, what are you doing? They get rid of Carmelo Anthony. Um, and what's happening to Melo right now, I think, is horrendous. Because um, he played for Dan Tony before in New York, and, and the marriage didn't work. So for him to go to Houston, it's like, I understand why you have a formidable big three with Harden and Chris Paul, but it didn't work for whatever reason. But for them to just completely bench Melo and then just tell him not to come, I think that that's really horrendous. Then they trade him to the Bulls and the Bulls wave him and nobody's, you know, even thinking about Carmelo Anthony. And I don't know if it's it's his attitude or if he's a cancer in the locker room, but in my opinion, Melo is definitely a top 50 player. I can even go as far as say he's probably still a top 25 player. That might be a stretch. And I might be kind of biased because of the whole Baltimore, Baltimore connection, but you're not going to sit up here and tell me that there are 50 players in the NBA that are better than Carmelo Anthony right now. And I understand that he wants to win, but you're trying to tell me that even Golden State could use Melo. They're talking about you know seeking West Matthews if the Knicks um buy his contract out, which I think is fine because West Matthews is he's a good player. He's a hell of a defender. And um he's he's a three-point specialist. And in Golden State, like, you know, you you can shoot a three, you know, you shoot 35% or better. You got a job. But I think it's 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 blatant disrespect and it's um starting to become a blackball of Carmelo Anthony the same way that they're blackballing cop. Colin Kaepernick. I mean, for different reasons. Oh, don't get me wrong, because Colin Kaepernick's cause and purposes has nothing to do with what's going on with Melo. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with Melo even not wanting to come off the bench. Because at the end of the day, like anybody would, would do anything to win, you know, especially when it comes down to a ring. And the fact that Mellow, what they did to him in Houston, pretty much benched them and just said, stay home. They trade him to the Bulls and the Bulls just waved them. You trying to tell me that the Bulls couldn't use Mellow? I'm not saying that Mellow's going to help them make the playoffs, but the Bulls have about 12 wins, like one more win than my beloved Knicks. They're, they're right there at the bottom of, of the barrel with the Knicks, with the Cavaliers and the Suns you tr- and, and the Hawks. But you trying to tell me that the Bulls? couldn't use Carmelo Anthony? Are you and speaking of the Hawks because Melo was traded to the Hawks in the offseason before he signed with Houston. Are you trying to tell me the Atlanta Hawks couldn't use the services of a Carmelo Anthony? This dude's nothing but, you know, a former uh former scoring champ. He um he won a championship in college as a freshman. Number three pick overall, should have been number two if Detroit didn't, you know, fumble and drop the ball. Shouts out to Darko Milichek out there MMA fighting and growing his farm and whatever he's doing in his home country. But hey, you got drafted before Melo, so you did something. But in all seriousness, like there's got to be a team in the NBA that can use the services of Carmelo Anthony. I mean, a D-League team, at least, damn, like, like, put some respect on my man name, real talk. So, um, NCAAs, it's uh, February, we got March Madness coming up soon, well, less than a month, well, about a month, you know, um, I always, you know, shoot for, with me it's either the Char Hills or Michigan, Michigan is my favorite college team, football and basketball, and Carolina is just, I love Carolina basketball, my mom loves Carolina basketball, um... One of my business partners loves Carolina basketball. And, you know, there's just there's such a rich tradition in uh, North Carolina, you know, on that part of Tobacco Road. But the way Duke is playing and with the players they have. I mean, the one thing with Duke when it comes to the tournament, they always get an easy bracket like they always get the easy way out. No Robert (laughs) Trepper. But I, I don't I don't care what bracket they end up in this year. I don't really think that there are too many teams that can beat the Blue Devils. And I want y'all to understand, I hate the Blue Devils. Can't stand them. But I have the utmost respect for Coach K. Mike Krzyzewski, I'll never forget when I was a, I was a teen. I was in middle school, maybe like seventh grade. And there was a season where Mike Krzyzewski ended up missing the entire season. And um, Duke sucked. They may have won, they, they won maybe like 15 games that year. I think actually won like eight or nine, but I, I don't, I don't know the actual number, so I'm not going to say, but they suck that year. And it's funny because you always say, well, coaches just coach the players still have to play, but a good coach makes that much of a difference. Why do you think coach K has been the coach of the U uh, S men's Olympic team for the past what? Three Olympics, I believe. Last time they had anybody before Coach K was Larry Brown in 2000. That's when um, we won the bronze, and Melo said, Carmelo said he threw his big penny in the lake. <laughs> but um, Coach K is uh, probably the greatest college coach. <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, everyone. I, <coughs> excuse me for that. I mean, I love Dean Smith. I'm, I'm going to always go with Dean Smith. Kind of biased. Um, you, can, you can also say John Wooden, but... You know, same way uh, I said Brady of this era is the greatest quarterback. Coach K is the greatest college basketball coach of this era. I would say him, he and Gino Ariema of uh, UConn's women's team. Like, those dudes, man, like, they're just phenomenal coaches. I mean, there are a lot of great coaches, you know, on the men and women's side. Um, You got Roy Williams. You got Bill Self. uh, Muffet McGraw. Um, rest in peace, Pat Summit, University of Tennessee, Lady Vols, man. Um, but Duke is it, like I said, man. Duke's going to be a pretty tough foe. I I don't expect them to win the NCAA championships, but I really wouldn't be surprised if they did, especially if they end up in an easy bracket as they always do. Because uh, whoever whoever the bracketologists are, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say they cheat for Duke, but it's just like, you know, um. It's kind of like when you when you're bowling and and with with the kids you put the uh, the borders up you know so uh it does, they don't get gutter balls and you want the kid to feel good about themselves that's what they do to Duke you know they they put the they put the bumpers up when when it comes to uh, seating Duke and what bracket they go in now I want to speak again on Tom Brady um, as you know Tom Brady is forty one. By the time the start of next season begins, he'll be 42 years old. And I, re- I, I remember saying something before, and people didn't understand what I meant when I, when I said it. I said, Tom Brady is the greatest 40-year-old athlete ever. And I'm not saying that, you know, he's better than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in his you know in his field. I'm just saying that at the age of forty, Tom Brady is better than in his field than any other 40 year old athletes. You could take Michael Jordan and Kareem at 40, and Jordan was phenomenal at 40. You know, he averaged uh 24, 25 a game with the Wizards. Um they were forty one and forty one in each of his two seasons, which isn't great, but that's not a losing record. Um you look at Kareem at 40, you know, he didn't dominate the same. You know, Jordan at 40 still had that Jordan killer instinct, but he didn't dominate the same. Um, the one who probably could compare at the age of 40 is Floyd Mayweather, but watching Floyd box at 40, he didn't dominate the same. Yamir Yaga, Timu Solani, um, 40 old baseball players. I can't think of... Uh, Ken Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr. at 40. Um, Ken Griffey Jr. at 25 was great. At 30, okay, because of the injuries. But at 40, you know, he didn't do anything. He was sleeping in the dugout in the middle of games, like real talk. So, um, that's why I say Tom Brady at the age of 40 is the greatest 40-year-old athlete in his field. In any athletic field, he has to be the best. You know, um, this this season. Wasn't as great as last season, but last season, you know, he was MVP, I believe, or or was it the season before he was MVP and last season, he put up MVP like numbers, you know, that says a lot. Like you got to think like, granted, he only plays on the offensive side of the ball and these other athletes that I named have to be on the court. Well, with the exception of baseball, no, uh, well, baseball, you know, they do get a rest somewhat. Until they're up and back. But, you know, with uh, basketball, boxing and hockey, those athletes have to be on the court, you know, and on the ice at all times. So um, I- I'll give them that. But with the wear and tear that football puts on a person's body. And this is a guy that's been playing football all of his life. You know, not just once he got to the NFL, not just once he went- got to Michigan, not just when he got to high school. He's been playing football the majority of his life, most kids start out playing football between the ages of 6 and 10. You know, and that's facts. I started out when I was about uh, 11 under the whistle. I started playing basketball, you know, a little before then. But um, I, my youngest son started playing football at 6 years old. A lot of the guys he was on the team with started playing at 6 years old. So um, Tom Brady's probably been playing football, you know, for 90% of his life. So that's a lot of wear and tear. And he's been playing quarterback at least since high school, probably since little league, but definitely since high school. You know, even though they still play both sides of the ball in high school, either way, he is the greatest 40-year-old athlete ever, 40 plus, 40 years plus, the greatest athlete ever at that age. Not saying the greatest athlete ever, because when you think about that, Then you got to think about Serena Williams and Michael Phelps. And, of course, you got to think about Jordan and Kareem. You got to think about Ali. You can throw LeBron James in that equation. You know, um, so many great athletes, but 40-year-old athletes or 40 years plus, none better than him whatsoever. You don't have to like it. You don't have to accept it or reject it. Just respect it because that's facts. A lot of people hate on Brady. They don't they 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 deny his greatness. They try to say, you know, he cheated and they deflated the balls and Spygate and all this. Do y'all know that John Elway played an entire season with a deflated ball because of a broken thumb? Do you know that the Ravens, the the 2002 champs had a deflate gate scandal that was brushed under the rug? And that's my team. Love my Ravens. But facts are facts. You know, at the end of the day, Tom Brady still had to throw that ball. He still had to make the plays on the field. So for all that about, oh, he's a cheater, he cheated, he cheated. 32 out of 32 NFL teams cheat. The Patriots just got caught more than once, which is that's their own stupidity or whatever. But guess what? Every time they cheated, they ended up in the Super Bowl. Well, with Spygate, they did. I don't think they they made the Super Bowl the year of the Gate. But either way, since Tom Brady's been in the league since his first Super Bowl win, there haven't been too many other quarterbacks in playing in the Super Bowl. Now, if you think about him and Peyton Manning together, <coughs> Peyton Manning's been to four Super Bowls. Brady's been to nine. That's 13. So that means that since 2001... 2002, whatever it is, there have only been five other Super Bowls that didn't feature one of those players. You had Pittsburgh twice with um, playing Arizona and playing um, the Packers. So you had Big Ben, Aaron Rodgers, and uh, Roethlisberger. You had uh, Tampa Bay and Oakland. And you have Baltimore and San Francisco. I think there's one more floating out there. I really can't think of it. But, you know, uh, my man's been to nine Super Bowls. He's six and three. Like, if that's not greatness, I don't know what is. Stop hating on, on, on the great one, man. Like, he's awesome. Just, you know, bow down. Like, I'm not saying, you know, worship him. But, you know, recognize his greatness, man. You, you, can't, you can't deny facts. You can't dispute the truth You know And, and that's the truth Alright so This has been another episode Of Smiley Toes Way This has been a sports segment i like to thank All of my listeners Who uh, took time to listen out To this podcast Don't forget to check out Episodes 1 and 2 This has been episode 3 Of Smiley Toes Way Courtesy of Broken Hip Hop Baltimore Featuring y'all know who And y'all know who But uh, this is Smiley, a.k.a. The Smilester. I'm signing off. Baltimore, stand up.